one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Rebecca DeMornay tried to steal a baby. What? Welcome to Basic Snitches. This is a, Hi. This is a podcast about <clears throat> Harry Potter. Yeah, it is. Are you new here? Uh, so hi. I'm new here. And I'm Adam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my name is Tara. <laughs> Doing everything in reverse today? You better believe I'm not editing a snitch of that. A snitch of that! <gasps> oh! That's right, guys. We're basic snitches. And we're funny. Adam is funny, and I'm marginally amusing. <laughs> the way that you Sometimes. said that is like I gave you a fucking <laughs> shitty look. <laughs> we're funny. Adam's <laughs> now you guys know what happens behind the scenes around here. Well, they had better know. Okay, we drained the last bottle of wine. Can I tell you, we were in the kitchen to get more Chinese food and wine. And she's like, what type of wine is that? And I was like, it's a red one. In fact, it's a red blend. And I was like, three, two, one. And this bitch was like, I love red blends. And I was like, I knew you were going to say that. It's not because I'm a psychic. It's not I because say that a lot. I'm a divination master. Although he is. But that's not Yes. Why. I was like, if she had a string coming out of her back, these would be her six fun catchphrases. I love red blends. My cat throws shade. He's a teenage boy. That's that, out of context. That's out of context. <laughs> Guys, Maybe you should stop. If you listened to the Cutting Room Floor episode, you might recall five, ten, 120 minutes of footage of Tara drunkenly talking about Ron Weasley and her huge lady boner for him, and how every single time he did something wrong, he's a teenage boy. This is incredibly untrue, but okay. It's incredibly <clears throat> the truest thing ever. Also, <laughs> that is fascinating. That would be one of your phrases. Let me tell you something. I understand that I say the same shit over and over and over again, too. I feel like I've even called myself out on it. But if I have to listen to Tara talk a lot on the recording and then cut it up and make it sound good, I'm going to damn well remember the things that she says all the time and what her catchphrases are. That was really about to become very insulting. It's, it's a good it's, thing you finished it. It's not, I didn't mean it for it to be insulting. <laughs> That's because you finished what you were saying. I know what you say over, all over and over and over again. I'm going to make fun of you I already did. I made fun of you for saying the same things over and over and over again. This does not preclude me from the same chagrin or embarrassment <laughs> that this bitch has. He's just the one that, that does the editing well. and he has to listen to my dulcet tones a lot. And he loves it. And he's also an asshole. Me. I'm talking about me. <laughs> I was like, who? Your other personality? One of them. Thank you. <laughs> Let's get into it. Today we're reading about the scar. Not about the scar, the chapter. The chapter, the scar. But first. Chapter one, Goblet of Fire. Are you going to ask me a question? No, I'm going to tell you a thing. So the winner and loser of chapter one of Goblet of Fire. The way that you said that sounded like it was going to be the same person. The winner and (laughs) loser of the last chapter is The last chapter. No. There really shouldn't be a winner or a loser, but I'm just throwing these out there for funsies. The loser of the chapter is Wormtail for existing. His name is Skinny Dick. Skinny Dick for existing. The winner of the chapter, because, well, she's just got a job to do, is Nagini. I legit thought you were going to say the cook. No. She's just got a job to do. She does got a job to do. No, Nagini wins. What's Nagini's job? (laughs) Being milked, talking shit? Nagini was out doing whatever the fuck Nagini does, and then she comes up... 
through the hallway to go see her master, and she was like, this fucking asshole out here is eavesdropping, and I gotta put an end to it, because that is what I have to do to protect my you master. You say that, like, you don't know what Nagini's doing out in that, like, luscious garden, hunting rabbits and A snake's stuff. gotta eat, bitch. That's right, and Charity Burbage ain't gonna be around until book seven, so. Well, there's that. And also, someone has to win chapter one, and here's the thing. Frank could have won if he had maybe, you know, used his brain and been in 1995 instead of 1806. Get yourself one of those Nokia Get a goddamn phones. fucking phone! One of those Nokia phones that are indestructible. <laughs> and just a reminder, once again, little child is still hunting the same tinkly ball that is no longer tinkly because the bell fell out of it that he has been for the last episode, so deal with it! Adam wrote a thing! Yeah! Read my thing. I will. The Goblet of Fire, Chapter 2, The Scar. I'm gonna put this wine down. I did not rate that. This chapter is aptly named because it's the only new thing of interest in the whole chapter. Harry wakes up after the scary dream and his scar hurt. He looks around for Voldemort, but he realizes he's at the Dursleys. Close, but still not Voldemort. We get a recap of most of the important things that have led up to this point. Who is Harry Potter? What's Hogwarts? Dumbledore, Hermione, the Weasleys, and Sirius exist. Sirius! Oh yeah, he'll know what to do. Harry writes Sirius a letter bitching about his scar. The end. Flipping the script. Woo! Look at Adam. Tara wrote fucking college <laughs> dissertation. I sat down and it was like, nope, nope, no, nope, nope, that's, nope. That's almost as short as Spider Chapter. It might be shorter, actually. And that is definitely the shortest that has ever been on this podcast. I yeah, the Spider you. Chapter was pretty short, though. There were spiders and they were scared. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. No, no, it wasn't because that was the fucking spiders. Spiders <laughs> fucking. <laughs> Fucking, fucking, spiders, spiders, or whatever the fuck it was. It was great. Let me tell you. This one was definitely shorter than that. This was the shortest ever. So get off my back! I can write short things. Especially if you have chapter two of Goblet of Fire. Exactly. Guess what, guys? Nothing happens in this chapter. <laughs> and guess what, guys? There's no movie portion. <laughs> so we'll talk to you next time where we cover chapter three. What's it called? I don't know. <laughs> what if we really did end the episode right here? The invitation. <laughs> Nobody gets points. There's no what? fuck, Mary kill because there's nothing to fuck, Mary or kill in this chapter. Let's <laughs> back up. This is the obligatory reminder chapter, but at this point, like four books in, it's a little bit redundant to an extent because it's almost catching us up on each of the previous books less and less. Yeah. We have talked about how at the beginning of Chamber of Secrets, you could almost start there. It would be fine. You shouldn't because the first book is lovely and a great introduction to this. And to an extent, you could have probably even start at the beginning of book three as well, but it just is even more of a disservice. You can't start at the beginning of this book, I think, and have a clear picture of this entire journey. Agreed. How do I say this without insulting the chapter? Because it just doesn't feel as necessary to me. It's one of my least favorite chapters in the whole series. Yeah, me too. And here's why. Because it doesn't do anything for me, especially after the first chapter and after what's to come. Like, after you know what's to come in this book. Like, this chapter is, unfortunately, a necessity. Not all of it is a necessity, but there are things that happen in this chapter that, like, where else are you going to put them? The letter writing and stuff and Harry thinking through how would his friends respond to learning this information. And, of course, as you said in this brilliant 
little thing you wrote me. That is the most interesting part of this chapter, and it is new information because Harry wakes up from this dream and his scar hurts. And he, he had actually that immediate is almost like, correlation. Where is he? Yeah. Like he doesn't understand where he is, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm here. Well, there's that immediate correlation between the two, which is so vital to the series. In thinking of purpose of chapter, other than it just being, hey, here's here's where we are, guys, if we don't remember. It's a new mechanism to the scar. And then the other thing is, at the end of the last <clears throat> book, you're really left being like, when are we going to see Sirius next? He very quickly becomes a very beloved character, I think. Even though, you know, he obviously isn't perfect at the end of the last book. Which, who is? I'll tell you who is. Oh, love that bitch. We forgot to mention Pomfrey in the last episode. What, what the hell? What the hell? Might as well quit She's... here. I actually but... just realized that last chapter, we see Worm, we see Skinny Dick again. And we see... <sighs> Corrected yourself. We don't see Sirius, but Sirius is discussed in this chapter. And all of the third book, these are characters that are like kind of hovering in the background until they come before yeah. And I think it's kind of cool because the setup of the books, the only like character thing that seems to happen in every book is that Dumbledore becomes an asset at the end of the book or whatever. Otherwise, you have these two characters that are very vital to the plot introduced at the end of the book, and we're two chapters in. We're already back on that. They are vital. Yeah. Here they are. Because we're not going to physically see them again. We'll see Sirius a little bit more in this book. We won't see, like I said last time, we won't see Skinny Dick till the end of the series. But we really won't see Sirius much in this book either. But they're right on the forefront right here. Right. I think that maybe it's more of a mechanism to be like, hey, guys, Sirius is fine. And they add some (laughs) color to it, the whole tropical birds thing. But at least just kind of wrapping that up. Because I think that's probably something that the reader is going to be like chomping at the bit to like learn more about Mm -hmm. is is what happened with Sirius. Because the closure doesn't happen really. Because it can't. does to an extent when he gets the letter on the Hogwarts Express. Right. But, but, it, but it can't in this like satisfying way that right. you would want. Not in the way that you wish it would because honestly getting the reminder that oh he's back at the Dursleys yet again is also like well he could have been at Sirius's if things had gone differently. Yeah. So there is that. Other than that, there's not too much other things of, like, note in this particular chapter. The only other things that I had brought up, in particular relating to things that we've talked about in the past, the kind of relatability, I think, of, like, waking up after a very vivid dream and trying to remember what it was. This probably doesn't come to a shock to anybody, but I really like dream theory. And like what it means. And I don't know nearly as much about it as I do like tarot and bullshit like that. There was a one dream that I had a couple months ago that was so vivid that I woke up and immediately wrote it all down. Like every single detail. Because I was like, how often do I get to the point where like I remember every single little detail? There are times when I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I know that I had a dream, but I can only remember one or two things. Like, I have an app of, like, dream meanings, and I'll put, like, one or two things that I remember in there. But rarely do I have the full scope. Clearly, this is a dream that is very important, so I felt like some sort of relatability to that. But then the other thing that he does when he wakes up, he immediately tries to, like, bring himself into the present and ground himself. And it's another mindfulness technique. Two episodes in, I've talked about all, I fit all my major points. He instantly starts, like, looking around and kind of, like, bringing his senses into the present and 
him grounding himself, which after you have a panic attack, sometimes that's what they say the best thing is to do. Grab something and in your mind, describe it the best way that you can in all of your senses, how it feels, how it looks, how it smells, how it tastes or sounds, if either of that is relevant. Uh -huh. And he does that. So, hey, another point for Harry is a mindfulness wizard. <laughs> wizard isn't probably the best word because he's literally a wizard, but you know what I mean. So I did kind of like that in terms of like how the chapter opens up. But then when it goes back into all of the notes about how we got to this point, that's where it kind of like loses me. One thing I wanted to say on that is this is the first time of many we see Harry having very, very, very vivid dreams that actually turn out to be things that actually happen. So it's not just a dream for Harry. Yeah. And this is, even though we don't learn about it until the next book, this is the first sign of his connection to Voldemort. Yeah. As far as being able to see into his mind and being active in, in another place, mentally at least. Harry deals with nightmares and all kinds of stuff in this book, but this is the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I touched on some of it in the last book where I mentioned like Aquamancy is starting to like sort of make a presence here. Not necessarily in the same form, but there's like things with the mind, you know? Mm -hmm. But then also Horcrux stuff again too. In these first two chapters already getting like big chunks of that is, is very, very interesting. I mean, and some of it is definitely a carryover from the last chapter, but I do want to really pay attention more and more how like memories or dreams or whatever it is some like essence of what goes on in your subconscious starts to pop up in unexpected ways because mm -hmm. we know things like the pensive pensive whatever it's called stone basin the stone basin thank you elements of the stone basin kind of popping up here and there on my animal crossing island i needed another villager on my island to help me get more items in the game so i created a new account on my switch and it's dumbledore and so i'm the inside of his house I made his office and the pensive the stone basin is a bird bath that's amazing I know it's also so fitting I know it's beautiful I'm very happy with my island <laughs> so one thing I do like about this chapter is the way that it introduces Hermione and Ron. He's thinking about like, what would they say if he wrote to them and told them about this dream about how his car hurt and everything. We get kind of like this inside look into how Harry envisions his friends reacting, which one I think is incredibly accurate. I disagree about Hermione. I think the tone is accurate. I think- You're right. The wording and like the approach very much Harry's frame of mind because Harry doesn't think like Hermione but I think he's not wrong to believe that she would instantly be like yeah I gotta look these things up I'm not so much thinking like the way she would write it yeah. Hermione would be like do this do this and this she would be so organized I think he's got that she down. would be launching into action and creating a plan. yes which Harry knows. And she would not, however, go be like, you need to go to Dumbledore immediately. More and more as we get through these books, I think that Hermione, especially as a role model for children, looking at it from like authorial intent and kind of what it represents to have a strong female character like Hermione. Hermione's a kind of, I don't need no man. Right. Kind of individual. So that to me, I was like, mm. I think you are right that coming from Harry's point of view, like he might be thinking that more. more well, so. because the idea of writing to Dumbledore is less about actually like you should write to Dumbledore and more about you need to find someone who can take care of this for you now, which is what Hermione would do. The big thing about Hermione also, especially in these points between when they see each other at Hogwarts, is that she's very aware of her limitations and how she can 
be there for Harry. If they were together at Hogwarts, she would be like, no, Harry, you're being stupid. Let's go talk to McGonagall. Let's do this. And she would be physically able to be in action. In this circumstance, Hermione can't do anything for Harry. Her parents are muggles. She doesn't live anywhere near him. She can't do magic as smart and as wonderful as she is. The reason why it's Ron that's come to pull Harry out of these situations and never Hermione is because Ron has, magical you know, Ron has the magical family. He has... Well, he has the tools, you know, like Hermione does it. If she did, she'd have figured it fucking out. Like, if she that's did, what she does. We, we would have met your fucking boyfriend, girlfriend, car friend before at Anglia, and then it. you would still be searching for love. Well, that was depressing, thanks. It's not depressing you fell in love with Fort Anglia. <laughs> I'm still over here being like, tick tock. <laughs> so but, I don't know why you're offended when I'm calling out the love of your life. And then I just love how it continues with him being like, wow, that sounds like a really stupid idea. Being like, oh, Dumbledore, this happened. Hope you're okay, bye. Like, it's a very awkward teenage thing, I guess. I do think the Weasley comment is a little bit more accurate in terms of not wanting to go over there and be, like, caught up in all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, Harry doesn't want to bother people. Like, Harry's literally been treated like he's a bother his whole life. And you get that feeling from him in this chapter where he's like, oh, I don't want to bother people. Well, I also think to an extent, so something else I was going to say is, like, about Hermione. Maybe we're at that point now, but there, I think, is the switch where Hermione really does take control of situations more freely and more instinctually, mm-hmm. like she did at the end of the last chapter. With Harry, kind of similarly, as they're growing in things, like, if he were at Hogwarts or if he were in another situation, he would not care, I don't think, necessarily about being a bother. You know, a certain disregard for the rules, that whole thing. And we all know that Harry isn't just going out to break the rules just for the hell of it. I don't think that he's necessarily as concerned about that when he is at home. In this instance, you know, when you are reinduced into a location of trauma or discomfort or whatever, mm-hmm. you change a little bit, you know? This is going to sound like my parents are the Dursleys, but that's not what I mean. Like, when I go home, everything about, like, I think my demeanor changes a little bit from when I'm, like, here mm-hmm. or hanging out with friends or whatever it might well, yeah. be. yeah. That kind of leads really nicely into, like, where Harry is, like, oh, I wish that there was someone I could talk to, like, a parent, because Harry doesn't have that. Yeah. And then it's the, oh, they're serious. It feels like that is what seems logical to him because he doesn't know. And also, that's the new thing in his life. And, and like, it's this little tiny piece of hope and connection to his parents. And it's neat because that is kind of the purpose of the Godfather relationship. Seeing Harry discover it and think about it here in this place and like it coming to him because it's so new to him. It's very sweet. It's a nice way to reintroduce Sirius because Sirius has such a hard edge. You're already rooting for him once you find out he's good in the third book. Like, and you're rooting for him all through this book and his relationship with Harry. He still does have that hard edge. But from Harry's standpoint, the first time he thinks of him in this book is I need a parental figure. I agree. Especially because Sirius doesn't ever really turn into a parental figure. That's kind of like the next thing I was going to say. I was like, would, would Sirius actually know what to do? It shows a little bit about Harry's like immediate trust and attraction to Sirius. Mm-hmm. The way I look at that is obviously a little bit strange, but he reveres Sirius in a different sort of way than I think Sirius is able to live up to, I think. I think you're right because I mean look at Sirius's past. I'm not saying that you know Sirius shouldn't know better or but he was an ask man for years. 
for most of his... Was still a child, basically, yeah. when he went to prison. For, like, a good third of his life. During the part of your life where you really are beginning to understand yeah. who you are and the world around yeah. you. I mean, more than a third of his life. Yeah. Yeah, not quite half of it. And I think that that's kind of part of the cool connection between Harry and Sirius. They're two people who lost parts of their lives where they could have learned more about themselves and they were forced to grow up. They were forced to be in a situation that wasn't their fault and how that changes them. I think that that's kind of a cool connection. What do you have to say about it, Berkeley? She just jumped up right next to the microphone. Feel free to say something. Hi. Okay, fine. She's very quiet. She she agrees. I think that's what she means. Her silence is agreement. Beyond that, I mean, I think that really is the meat of this chapter. I you agree. You can say that this chapter has meat. There's some other colorful things in there, like imagining Dumbledore at the beach. Right, I do like that. Uh... There's the little thing. Is it when he writes the letter to Sirius and he says something about how Dudley threw his PlayStation yeah. out the window? It's so irrelevant, but he still puts it in the letter. But it also, like, really, it's weird to say this, but dates the book you yeah know, we're, we're looking at a book now that's over 25 years old and like you know that they're talking about the original playstation and but otherwise i mean this chapter is very very simple yep fuck mary kill three thoughts that harry has about others in this chapter okay otherwise there's not a lot of options okay so dumbledore at the beach Sirius hiding out in a tropical climate, and the Weasleys inviting him to the Quidditch World Cup. What this is, in essence, to me, is a completely fantastical situation, which is Dumbledore at the beach, a probable situation, and then something that actually happens in the book is, is what these three kind of represent to me. So, okay. so what do you say? Okay, so I am going to fuck Dumbledore on the beach. Okay. Going to marry Sirius in a tropical. Wait, why are you gonna Why are you gonna fuck him on the beach? I just. Tara's always just wanted to fuck Dumbledore on a beach. <laughs> if you had to fuck Dumbledore <laughs> anywhere, would it be a beach? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say no. I don't think. Are you a good beach or a bad beach? <laughs> you know the answer to that. Why did Linda ask Dorothy that? And then afterwards, she's like, I didn't know that you, you're a witch, you're so beautiful. And Linda's like, only bad witches are ugly. Why did she say that to Dorothy then? Does she insinuate that Dorothy is ugly? Maybe. Linda's actually the real villain of The Wizard of Oz. Wow, canon. We're in the middle of Fuck Mary Kill. Oh yeah, so Fuck Mary Kill. So uh, fuck Dumbledore on the beach, just cause it sounds like fun, I guess. I'm gonna marry Sirius at Tropical Island. Okay. Or whatever he is. Why? I feel like hanging out with Sirius when he gets to be free and in a wonderful place. I think we'd have some good times. Just hanging out, getting to know each other. Drinking rum out of a coconut. Fuck yeah. And uh, fucking Weasley's at the Quidditch World Cup. No, you did not, you can't fuck two things. <laughs> you did try to do this in the last <laughs> book too. You can't get out of killing people. <laughs> Well, I, I'm glad you pay attention to me when I try to do that shit. I'm gonna kill the Weasleys. And she says that I like, don't pay attention to her at other times. Why are you killing the Weasleys? I mean, one, I don't actually want to kill the Weasleys. I want to kill going to the World Cup because it just does not sound like a good time to me. I will say, the first time I read this book, when we do get into the Quidditch World Cup things, I'm like, this is taking forever. 
forever. I think do reading it one chapter at a time will actually be cool. I think so too. Because I was like, when the fuck are we gonna get out of this stupid World Cup? And it really isn't even like that long, I think, in the scheme of things. However, y'all know how I play Fuck Mary Kill. I'm gonna marry going to the Quidditch World Cup. Okay. Because it's real. Because it's real, it is giving him a family moment, and it is the most compelling thing. Am I, not necessarily the most like interesting or fun thing, but I think it is definitely the most compelling. So I'm gonna marry going with the Weasleys to the yeah. British World Cup. I'm gonna fuck serious on the beach. <laughs> because I think it's fun. Like you said, I think it would be like him hanging out with, you know, his godfather, drinking rum out of a coconut, maybe smoking some weed, playing Chinese checkers or Parcheesi or whatever. Parcheesi, you don't got Parcheesi on. They don't got games anywhere. But I'm trying to think, what's the most, like, beachy fucking game? I don't know what Parcheesi is. Twister. Operation. Oh, fuck that mouse game. Trap, Monopoly. <laughs> also, fuck Mousetrap. I ain't putting that shit together. Yeah, wh what am I talking about? They're playing fucking Gobstones. Oh, yeah. So are you killing Dumbledore? I'm killing Dumbledore on the beach. Because it's not real. It's, it's a fantasy. What would you do if you found out that Dumbledore toast was at the beach? I'd be like, ooh, what Hope you have fun. Your life, Dumbledore. You get out there and. I mean, Dumbledore probably went to the tan. beach like for one day and apparated somewhere else. I mean, hey, you do what you want. If if you need to get outside and go into nature and you're a beach bitch, <laughs> go be a beach, beach bitch. I'm a woods bitch. I'm not a beach bitch. Are you a beach bitch, a mountain bitch, or well, we know you're not a beach bitch. I like the mountains too. Yes. What the fuck are we talking about? Let's talk about the movie. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh wait. Oh, the movie is not a thing right now. Yeah. This chapter ain't in the fucking movie. Hey, guess what? We don't even see the Dursleys in the movie. No. So this Which is disappointing. <laughs> oh, see, I was gonna say for that reason, this chapter gets an A in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. This chapter I don't need the Dursleys for, but there's some great Dursley shit coming up in the book that yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't have minded seeing that, but I get it. I'll give the chapter, the movie, a passing score for eliminating something not necessary. Yeah. This chapter is more necessary in the book than it is in the movie. In the movie, how are they going to show this? Exactly. How are they going to do a recap? This is clearly the biggest book that we've seen so far. It, we are going from pretty easy reads to a Thick bitch. And I know that I've used that term to describe Tara and myself in the past, <laughs> but this book is a thick bitch. So they've got to cut things out. And guess what? They're going to. And this is a thing that they cut out that they... That makes sense. That is acceptable. Yeah. Um, see us later for things that they cut out that are not acceptable. Yes. Or hear us later, because if you see us... Stalkers. You'll turn to stone. We're Medusas. You learned to hear first, kids. So yeah, that's it. That's all about the movie. Rip movie. Hey, do you uh, want to hear about my points? I yeah. asked you a question. No! Did you hear that? Did you guys hear that? There's cat drama happening in the background. Cat drama? Alexa, what time is it? The time is 10.28 p.m. Oh, it is past your fucking bedtime, little boy. What well, when you leave, he'll go into the... He kind of get a little feisty now, but it's okay. Guess what? Hmm. No points. 
No points. No points at all. I think this is the second time that I had no points for a chapter. I think there was another instance where I was just so frustrated that I was like, no points. I feel like this no one points. is not because you're frustrated. You're just like, there's, and there's nothing going on here. What am I going to do? Get, uh, Harry wrote a letter. Two points? Well, how many points is that worth? That's stupid. No points. No po- There's no reason to give or take any points away. This chapter is, while that we discussed some interesting things about it, it is relatively irrelevant. And like Tara said, this is probably my least favorite chapter up to this point. <laughs> that is why there are no points in this chapter. That's it for this episode. That's it, guys. This is maybe one going to be one of our shortest episodes. This will be a nice quickie. So sorry to be like coming back after a break and the second episode back is a short one. But guys, there's a lot to discuss in this book. So there is. get ready so for a nice worry. ramp up. Next time we're going to be reading chapter three, The Invitation. The Invitation. You know what? I even remember I being like, I looked. remember the name of this. I did not remember the name of this. I just looked. I was. It was a cheating moment. It wasn't cheating. It just yeah, stopped. when I was, like, capturing my cat. Yeah. You were like, I'm going to take this opportunity. Because I know what's coming. So, yeah, the invitation. Oh, gee, I wonder why he could be invited to. Invited to. <laughs> Guys, it's only been one bottle of wine tonight. It has, but it has been a long It has been a long-ass week. week. It has. I did not get a lot of sleep last night. I've been waking up in the middle of the night and stuff. Because I'm going through my spiritual awakening, apparently. Everything makes sense now. Yeah. So we'll catch you guys next time. That's right. Be good. And drink some wine. Eat some tacos. Live your life like you're me. Pet a cat. Pet a cat. Drink wines only if it's red blends. Yeah. Literally just live your life like you were me. And then tell me how awesome it is, because that just sounds great. And Hmm. the responsibilities that I have on top of that are not great. So just... Searching negative things about being Tara Corkery right now. Whew. I can't really come up with any in with my brain because my brain is very tired. <laughs> it's only ten thirty. Typically on a Friday night, I'd be up probably a little bit later. I don't know if that's gonna be the case tonight. Oh my god, I'm tight, tight, sleepy, baby. Yeah, ready for bed. I but- have this little bit of wine I'm saving to drink after I eat my fortune cookie. <laughs> Oh, we should read our fortune cookies. Do you want to read our fortune cookies? Oh my god, Divination Corner. Divination Corner. I'm going to go get them. I'm not getting up. You bring me my fortune cookie? Yes, bitch. I have another egg roll. I'm so excited about it. Thank you. She's going to take that home and put it under her pillow. She's not going to eat it as soon as I'm done with this episode. She's going to go home and she's going to do her egg roll dream. It's another form of divination. (laughs) What's it say? Be prepared for extra energy. Oh. Honey, I've been prepared. I got a third cat. Okay. Okay. Should we just, like, record ourselves chewing these fucking fortune cookies for three minutes? Since this episode is so short? (laughs) A phone call to a good friend will ease your mind and lift your spirits. That's false. (laughs) A phone call to anybody? Anybody. Doesn't matter who it is. Don't lift nobody's spirits. That's we're in the age of Zoom. At least turn on a Zoom meeting and get a glass of wine and chat with me. That's that right. Way. Those are the types of spirits that we want to be raising, okay? Ooh, spirits. Well, that was nice. Don't expect this to be something that we do every time. Read fortune. Unless what you if, want to send us fortune cookies. Oh my god, if somebody actually now this is something I'm serious about. We have made jokes about like Send us cheese and licorice to our fucking P.O. box. And by jokes, he's not, he doesn't mean that. It's not a joke. Send it's, us cheese and licorice. It's not, like, we would appreciate it. But 
If somebody actually wants to send us like a bulk amount of fortune cookies, we'll make it a segment. Why not? <laughs> We're always here in the museum. But make them like actual fortune. I don't want to read no misfortune cookies. I have enough anxiety. I don't need a fake piece of paper and a shitty cookie to tell me bad things about my life. Until next time. Till next time. Drink some red blend and go fuck yourself. (laughs) I don't know. Well, if that's how you live your life, do that. That's right. Bye. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download. Special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, snitches. snitches!